Mother's Day can bring on a wide range of emotions for different people. For some, it's a wonderful day filled with positive, grateful energy and a celebration of you or someone you love. But for others, it's a reminder of what we have lost or perhaps what we never had. And in that case, it can be a sad or triggering day. So we want to offer our hearts to those of you listening who experience grief this time of year. Overall, being a mother or even having a mother can come with a roller coaster of emotions for so many on any given day. We all experience motherhood differently and we all handle it differently, but I think it's safe to say there are ups and downs for everyone and that it helps so many to talk to each other about those highs and lows, or at least to listen to others talk about it. And that's what we're doing today with three women who have had three different journeys into motherhood. That's in this Mother's Day episode of our Unprivate Parts podcast. Welcome to Unprivate Parts, a podcast hosted by Women's Hospital. Join us as we pull back the proverbial curtain with honest discussions on women's health and the uncomfortable subjects we all want answers to. Welcome to this Unprivate Parts episode. Happy Mother's Day to everyone. I'm Melanie Abair, along with Kayla Bush and Tony Michelson, who are nurses here at Women's Hospital in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And we are meeting for the very first time today as our listeners are listening to this discussion about motherhood. And we've already had some fun discussions about the highs and lows, but I want to sort of set the foundation for the listeners by having you guys introduce yourself, saying your name, how old your children are, and what type of nurses you are. I'm Kayla Bush. I'm a labor and delivery nurse. I've been here for 15 years at Woman's. I have three children. My uh, first son, Emmett, he is seven, almost eight. I have a second son, Grant, who is five. And then my last is my little girl. She's three. Uh, her name is Blair. I'm Tony Michelson. I work on the high-risk unit here at Woman's. I have two children. Both are girls. Um, my first is three. And then I just had a little girl. She's eight weeks old. Okay, let's start with your journey into motherhood, your childbirth experience. I'm wondering, I know there's a lot of pregnant women who listen to this podcast and who are patients here at our hospital, at Women's Hospital. And so I'm wondering if we can help ease some minds or help prepare some women for the unexpected. They say you should be prepared for the unexpected. So let's start with that journey for you, Kayla. Uh, was your childbirth experience or experiences what you expected? Yes and no. Um, leading into my first pregnancy, we always wanted children. Um, thankfully, it was an easy journey for us to become pregnant initially. Um, my first labor and delivery experience was really everything I could have dreamed of. I know that sounds cliche, but I am a very indecisive individual, so I needed a lot of guidance by my OB who was a wonderful Dr. Chauvin. I'm going to give her a shout out. Um, she was just very willing to hear any questions I had. I would always go into my um, appointments with my journal. I had my list of questions. She answered every single one. So that definitely helped me at ease. So I guess I do want to tell moms it's okay if you have all those questions because no one's done this before. Even if it's your second, third, fourth, or fifth baby, um, every pregnancy is definitely different. Um, but yeah, my first delivery experience was wonderful. Um, came in in labor. I always planned on having a medicated birth. Got an epidural. No problems there. Um had a vaginal delivery. My second um, kind of thought, you know, I'm going to go into labor with the second one. I did it with my first. So I, I became a little nervous at the end when I didn't go into labor. So I was induced for him, but all went well. Another epidural. And then um, 
my third, I was also in induction with her. She uh, decided to flip in labor, so Ugh. was head down the entire pregnancy. I had a 39 and one week visit, was head down. Um, I specifically remember Dr. Chauvin saying, oh, this will be an easy induction. I can break your water, no problem. Go in two days later. <laughs> we thought was head down, labored, got an epidural. The progress was a lot slower. Um, and then after my epidural, I was about five or six centimeters, I believe. And that's when they discovered that it was a little booty down there. <laughs> so scanned her. So I guess you could say it was more of an urgent slash emergency section with her. Um, but my favorite part of my deliveries was the surprise factor. We didn't find out what any of our children were going to be. Um, so I remember after my third delivery, I constantly told everyone, <laughs> I don't know if I'm more surprised if it's a girl or if I had a C-section because I was just fully <laughs> expecting what I was used to. So um, I love Women's Hospital. I was very thankful to, you know, be able to deliver at the place that I'm employed. It felt very special. I knew I would receive the care. That's just top notch. And everyone was looking out for me. So I even knew when I was scared going back from that C-section that they had me. So. so were you ever nervous when you found I mean, what immediately went through your head when you realized it, it wasn't what you expected? What, what so you with her, the first thing, I, I don't think I was necessarily as nervous about the section part as I was the recovery because I was used to my recoveries that I had with the boys. Um, and knowing I had two young children at home, I was worried about the recovery aspect more than the actual surgery aspect of it. And but, you had the foresight to think of that at that very moment when I you did. found out that I you were having that. to have an emergency C-section. That's the first thing you thought of. I put my hand over my head and I just <laughs> had my moment for a few minutes. And my husband was right there being super supportive and just smiling away. And I said, do you know what this means? And he uh. said, yeah, we're about to get to meet our baby. And I was like... I love you, but <laughs> you don't really know. You need some of the things you do. Think you do. <laughs> exactly. So, but yeah, I wouldn't change any of it. And that's so. probably Very because thankful. you are a labor and delivery nurse, so you knew what to expect in a Correct. cesarean section. Ignorance yeah, is so, bliss. Yeah. I will say, as far as when it comes to having a baby, um, I, I'm very appreciative of the information I have already under my belt, but at the same time, yeah, my brain kind of went into overdrive. At we that know moment, too much, for sure. Yeah. And it's kind, of, yeah, and it's kind of just a good, a good reminder too for people who maybe don't plan to have a C-section, just to have a backup plan for support if that were to happen, so that you're not scrambling <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, if if that happens in your case to try to find that extra help that you'll need my heart in recovery. Goes out to those mamas, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you, Tony? Mine was a little different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> From the time I was born, I knew I had. I'm basically a chromosome short to say it easy, <laughs> but that chromosome that I am missing has no information. So it's considered a balanced translocation, but it does. Um, I only have like a 30% chance of having a normal pregnancy of not miscarrying or it having some type of translocation itself. It's not supposed to affect me getting pregnant. It just affects when the embryo forms, how the chromosomes split if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why I can't get pregnant on my own. Never figured that out. But we, um, I started seeing Dr. Dickerson because he loves fertility. Fertility specialist. Yeah. No, he's just a regular OBGYN. Okay. But he loves fertility. Okay. So I started seeing him and we did an IUI with him. It worked, but I miscarried. And then um, the subsequent IUIs didn't work and I was literally driving myself crazy. And that's insemination for anybody who doesn't yes, know. It just yes. needs a little help getting where it's going. Exactly. So from there, we went to Fertility Answers, and I saw Dr. Stormont with my first. And 
went through the IVF process. Um, we ended up with, I think with that egg retrieval, we had three embryos when everything was said and done. One of them was uh, not compatible with life, so we couldn't use it because we did genetic testing on those embryos. So that kind of tells me, yes, this embryo is compatible with life or they're not. Now, it cannot decipher whether those embryos have the same translocation I do. If it's balanced, then they I don't think it can see that. But it can tell you this embryo is compatible with life. This one's not. So I had three. One of them wasn't. We couldn't use it. The other two we could. The first transfer we did did not work. And we were devastated. We didn't know why. We did the all the things. We did the genetic testing, all my blood work, all my lab. Everything was good. So Dr. Stormer said, well, let's do an ERA. It's a receptivity test that kind of um, – it's like a biopsy of your uterus. So your uterus sends out these proteins from a very specific spot telling the embryo to implant here. So we did the ERA, the biopsy, and then did our second transfer, and it worked. So um, we got pregnant with our, our baby girl. We did find out the gender for her. We did genetic testing, so you can find out pretty early. Um, and then my second, I didn't have any embryos left, so I had to do this all over again, which we said we would never do. Really? But you soon forget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so we started all over with Dr. Chapel this time because Dr. Stormont went to Lafayette. And uh, we had four embryos this time. Two of them couldn't use. And then I have two good ones. And we decided to keep it a secret this time. So I didn't know wow. the gender. So out of five babies between the two of you, you only knew the sex for one. Yes. Out of the five, three and, and mm-hmm. two. Okay. Yeah. And would you, what if you had a third, would you, would you find out? So I know what my other embryo is. They told me it was the same gender as my oh, little girl. Cool. So it's, okay. yeah. So I have another girl embryo, but if it were to somehow happen, just miracle, you know, and I got pregnant on my own, I probably wouldn't find out. I'd play it would, the surprise factor. Like you said, it's just, I don't know. It's, there, I, it's something that you just never forget. Because I remember both of my babies were C-sections and <laughs> my husband found out or they, yeah, they took her out. And then the doctor kind of, you know, he forgot, I guess, that we didn't know the gender. So he's showing her to me and everybody's like, well, what, what is it? it? <laughs> so my husband looks and he whispers in my ear, it's a girl. And I said, are you sure? Check again. <laughs> I was so certain this baby was a boy. I just Why is that? It. You just had a feeling? Yeah. I yeah. J- my Pregnancy was different, which I know doesn't necessarily mean much because every pregnancy is different. But I just had a feeling. I just knew this baby was a boy. And it definitely was not. Did you look any different? Because you know how, I don't know if that's an old wives tale, but people claim that you you carry differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You I carry feel boys like and girls I did. So my first, I carried just kind of everywhere in my hips. This And one, that was the girl. Yes. And this one, I had basketball belly all belly uh-huh but no and that's what people say is I that what know. you experienced too yeah i feel like all my pregnancies were pretty similar honestly and then but looking back at pictures i'm like oh i was a little bit, a bit different yeah a little bit different yeah. from my girl than my boys yeah. and you didn't feel different with your pregnancies yeah. oh i did so you did oh you yeah did. i didn't the first i didn't have not the first day of morning sickness but my second i was sick and not like vomiting sick i just didn't feel good until about 13 weeks. And I guess that was another reason I was like, this has to be a boy. But 
No, it was a girl. So, uh, <laughs> Tony, how long was the journey to get pregnant for you? All of that. that you so, did two IUIs and uh, and two rounds. Well, for your first, you did, did yeah. you say two IUIs and one round of IVF? We did a couple IUIs. I don't remember exactly how many. So how long did you try? We tried for two years. So I had finished nursing school and we immediately started trying. We were married. And I didn't know. I mean, I knew I had this translocation, but mm-hmm. I didn't realize that I would have issues actually getting pregnant. So after about two years, I believe, is when we started talking about it and went into do IUIs and, and things like that. So the fertility. The fertility part Took of two it, years. Yeah. No, we tried for two oh, years. We tried for two years and without, then, the, without assistance. Correct. Okay. And then when we went into fertility, probably about a year, I guess. Yeah, if it was two rounds. Yeah. So I did a, a round, of, I did two rounds of IUI too for mm-hmm. my firstborn and, uh, and got pregnant in the second in the second round. I think the IVF gets a little complicated and complex for people yeah. who don't have any experience with that listening. Uh, and so we just did a whole podcast <laughs> with Dr. Chapel actually, uh-huh. where he really does a great job of breaking down and giving analogies to explain the process and really debunk a lot of myths and fears that people have about yeah. it. So if you are listening and you're interested in that or uh, or you have some hesitations and you're having a hard time getting pregnant, it's worth going back into the Unprivate Parts episode and listening to that. Um, okay. So so the I so now we have five kids and I have three. So and by the way, for my other two, no fertility. The firstborn, it is <laughs> they are different dads, but the firstborn, uh, I I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. Which, and so with PCOS, you don't have a, a cycle. And so I knew, but then I still had PCOS with the other two and I got pregnant. Right. Naturally. Right. Like I get pregnant I with no assistance. It's so strange. And they say they hear this type of thing all the time. So okay, now let's go through motherhood. Is motherhood so far? Uh, what you would expect, what you expected. No, it is not <laughs> <How> perfection. <so? laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, going through fertility and everything, you you can't wait to have that baby, you know, and you think it's all rainbows and sunshine. And it's not. I mean, it's hard. When they are a newborn, it is hard. You, people don't tell you about the lack of sleep and just just everything you go through, the anxiety, you know, postpartum depression that can come in and then – Fast forward and you have two of them and, yeah. and three, a toddler. So you have a three-year-old yes. and an eight-week-old, an right? Eight-week old, so yes. you're in the middle, just so everybody knows, you're in the middle of your maternity leave right now. You yes. still, and you came in <laughs> to record this podcast. So we're getting you really in the middle. Hey, this is my break. The tough, yeah. Oh, hey, I get it. People would ask me, are you taking the my uh, – I was, I was anchoring a morning show at a TV station when I had my – in New Orleans when I had my firstborn. And uh, they offered me three months of maternity leave. I said, no, thank you. I'm coming, I'm coming back at two. And I remember, and I had to go into work at 3.30 in the morning, and I could not have been happier to get mm. out of the house and be alone, even in the car, be able to go to the right. bathroom yeah. by myself, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, you know, if you, if you haven't experienced this, it, it is hard. I'm really glad to be talking about it and, and, uh, and with each other and listening because um, I think, uh, what do you guys think, that women a lot of times feel alone in so many different areas of the struggles of motherhood. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. I was trying to take a bath the other day and I wasn't even sure that I could do it, but I went and got the bouncy <laughs> seat, put the eight-week-old in the bouncy seat and my daughter, she loves her baby sister loves her a little too much sometimes. So I can't really leave them alone for two seconds. (laughs) So I put the bouncy seat in the bathroom and here comes a three-year-old with the dog and her baby dolls. 
I'm like, yeah, this bath is not my alone time. No. <laughs> you just forget. Like, it, it's hard to take a bath sometimes. I mean, to do the ba- the minimum basics that you need yes, to do to, to take care of yourself. function properly and take care of yourself so that you yes. can take care of other people. Yes, it's hard, but sure. I just remind myself, this is gonna pass. This is gonna pass, and you're gonna miss it. And you're gonna, right. You're gonna miss it. You know? Okay. Honestly, people tell me that sometimes you're gonna miss this time. Cherish it. And my husband and I will look at each other and say, you don't remember, do you? Because we have a two and a four-year-old. And every now and then we'll get that honest person who remembers and, and maybe appreciates the the later years a little better. And they'll say, oh, I don't envy you. I remember those days. <laughs> okay, let me rephrase that. I won't miss not being able to take a bath by myself, but I'm going to miss those baby snuggles. I'm going to miss Hopefully her they'll being snuggle little. with you for quite some time, mm-hmm. Tony. I don't know, my three-year-old. It's a good thing. It's a good thing, but she will not sleep in our bed. Will not. Okay, let's talk about that. So, what kind of sleep? Now, you, okay, Kayla, you and I are a little bit out of that phase now. Mm -hmm. So, my youngest is two and your youngest is three. Three. Mm -hmm. So, how is sleep for you now that you have three? How old are they? Three, three, five, and seven. Yeah. Our boys, our seven and our five year old, never stepped foot or any part of their body in our bed at night. It was great. We really lucked up with great sleepers. And then the little Did you girl do sleep came training along. For them? <laughs> no sleep training. No sleep training. Um, I remember when my oldest was about seven weeks old. I remember a good friend of mine just telling me it was all about a strict routine, and yeah. we. So that is. That's I was a kind so of sleep I guess training. it is. Yeah, yeah. So we went straight from the bathtub straight to his bedroom. Already had the sound machine on. Lathered him up in the good lotion. And went to bed. Like we did not go from the bathroom to the kitchen to grab something and then go to the bedroom. Bedroom. We strictly went from the bathroom to the bedroom. And I remember ever since that night and also having him sleep in his own bed really helped us. So we did the same thing with the second. It worked out great. And then here comes the third. And here comes that little drama queen. And, um, <laughs> the girl. She, kinda, she slept great as an infant. It's our now phase. It's it's the the three yeah, started mm-hmm. around two two and a half. When did she yep. get out of the crib? It um was that? Do you think that recent. was recent? It was right when she turned three. Honestly, we converted her to a toddler bed, and she was nice and potty trained. So I think the potty training thing. She comes about one two every single night to say she has to potty. Mm-hmm. My husband takes her because I sleep like a rock. My husband does not. He sleeps like a feather. I sleep like a rock. Or at least she knows to wake to. daddy. Up. I'm in the same boat as you, sister. <laughs> Sometimes it depends on the time of the night. Yeah, so she uh, wakes up to say that she has to potty, and then that's when she just uses that to come on in our bed. And I typically, honestly, can say don't feel her in our bed until maybe 6 in the morning when my alarm's about to go off. She doesn't kick you? Uh, um, she yeah, she's move. pretty much horizontal, but I don't – I really – You just – You can ask out anyone that I work with. It's because you're a mother. Yeah. I am a mother, and I sleep like a rock. And my husband's just like, she has got to stay Your in body's bed. in survival mode because yeah. you're going, you're going, you're going all day. I mean, you wake up, you get the kids ready for school, you show up at work ready, labor and delivery nurse, mm-hmm. and then you go home and you're – other job starts all over and then you have to be there in the middle of the day while you're trying to split right. yourself when things uh, happen that are not planned. The kid, especially in this COVID world, mm-hmm. somebody's sent home because of uh, an exposure or somebody's sick or in addition right. to all the normal. So you're right. splitting. Your, so yes, you pass out at the end of the day. I'm also a night shift worker. I do think, do you still work days? Yeah. Still you days. still days. Mm-hmm. I'm a consistent night worker too. So I do think I sleep harder I'm a full-time night worker, so I feel like I don't get 
as much sleep as I should during the day mm-hmm. in between getting the boys from school and uh, Blair from the sitter. But so maybe that's. But I, I do really relate, and you work nights hard. as well. I'm days. You're just days. Yeah, I, and I do relate to that, Kayla, because uh, I oh in in my uh, journalism career I always worked morning shows uh, on weekdays. And so I always came in in the middle of the night while everyone else was sleeping, but there's no way I could go to bed early enough to get a full night's sleep. I'd have to go to bed at 7 PM. If I'm, I'm up and, uh, you know, we would start, we'd start live on air at 4.30 in the morning. So I would be there at 3.30 in the morning and that's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a night owl. So, uh, so I do feel like that's part of the reason why I sleep is hard too. Yeah. So, okay. So Tony, so you're right in the middle of it. Eight, Mm. eight weeks. Uh, and how are you feeling with the sleep? How much sleep are you getting? Oh, last night was not a good night. I probably got uh, maybe four hours, maybe. Four. <laughs> so we're getting angry, Tony, this morning. Oh, no, but not right now because this is your yeah, break. Yeah, this is my break. Yeah, I'm good right now. <laughs> and honestly, it's not even the baby that kept me up. It's the three-year-old that kept me up. So, yeah. Those it's that girl thing. I is it the same oh, thing? Gosh, is it the and bathroom? I have two of them. I'm- it's my three-year-old girl too. She's well. She's four. It's my. Th- she's a little better. I think it's going to get a little better. Oh, but is it the same thing? The bathroom. It in the is. Of the night? It is. Mm-hmm. She potty trained early. She decided she was doing everything on her own. She dropped her bottle on her own. Her pacifier on her own. She potty trained on her uh, own. Potty trained on her own. Decided, what? Mama, I want to go TT in the potty and did it. So how old was she? Um, right at two, honestly. What? Yes, and then since she's been. Two and a half, probably. She potty trained herself at night, and I was not ready for that. <laughs> okay. I mean, come on. For people listening, like I for, mean, even for me, when I'm listening, I'm thinking, do you know how lucky I know, I know. You know? No, I know. That, what, you have three. Yeah. yeah. Kayla, uh, what about the potty training with you? How old were oh, they? Were they struggles? were a solid three past, maybe a little bit well, past Well, boys take three. longer, they say. Right. That's what they say, and that's that's what the case was for us. Blair was almost three, and she was fully. So she just turned there. three, March 26th, the day before my birthday. Mm-hmm. She turned three. So, I mean, she's like newly three, but she's been potty trained for a while. But I knew with this baby coming, we would regress a little bit, and we did for like two or three days, and then she was back on her normal little schedule. But same thing, about 2 o'clock in the morning, this last night she came, or this morning rather, she came into the room. I need to go potty. We went to go potty, and usually we get back in our bed. And, and generally, she's usually fine for the rest of the night. I don't know what happened last night. She kept coming in my room. She couldn't find her lovies. She needed some more water. Mama, mama, I just need a kiss. <laughs> One thing after another, and that probably started when she was two and a half, I guess. And mm-hmm. here we are, at three, and we're struggling. Did you sleep train? <laughs> Um, not in any, in I any guess. sense. Yeah. I mean, like we kept yeah. a, a strict schedule of, you know, we take a bath, we eat, we go to bed. So I guess we kind of did sleep train with her and she was a good sleeper up until two and a half. And it was like, bam, I don't know what happened, but yeah, we're struggling with her. So we did a very strict uh, sleep training baby wise. And I know that mm-hmm. some people are highly for it and some people are highly against it and some people do sort of uh, their own version mm-hmm. of it, which is, I think is kind of what I did. Like I rock the baby sometimes. You're not supposed to rock the baby or give them any sort of crush, you know. Yeah. And I, I enjoy rocking the baby. Um, but you're supposed to put them down when they're awake. Right. And it was this general cycle and I'm and it worked like a charm for my first two. Uh, the, because the, the, the concept is you do this cycle throughout the day of eat, wake time and then sleep. Right. Constantly eat. So you never let them go to sleep after they eat with the exception of when they have their night feedings in the middle of the night. Uh, and the, the concept is that you have more 
it's a better, more quality wake time right after you eat. And it helps to set, I think, that circadian rhythm for the baby to, to then go through these cycles throughout the day. And the cycles get longer and longer. And by the time the baby's at eight weeks, when you're going back to maternity leave, from maternity leave, the baby is sleeping eight hours through the night. And for me, I know it doesn't work for everyone, uh, but for me, it worked like a charm. I was able to schedule other things throughout the day because I knew exactly what the baby would be doing at the time. Mm-hmm. Problem for us was the third born had to basically be toted around to all the other two. We just couldn't keep the same uh, type yeah. of strict right. schedule with him. Yeah. So he's a little more all over the place. And then anything you do to change your schedule, like move, Aren't you about to move? I am about Tony? to move. Yep. That's, in June. <laughs> there might be a regression there. Oh, man. You know? I don't know if it can get any worse. And, and so it is. It's like, what, so so let's talk about this balance between work. I mean, you guys have very demanding jobs, very important jobs. Thank you for what you do. Um, we love nurses. And and they really take, I mean, gosh, the nurses take such good care of us here. Um, but, and I, I second that about the childbirth experience at Women's Hospital. <laughs> but juggling a nursing career and mother. Uh, being a, mul- a mother of multiple children cannot be easy. Uh, and so I want to talk about not only the guilt, but, you know, the, the, any sort of mom guilt that you have. We People talk about that. But also the struggles of trying to provide for your family and for yourself with the, you know, the kind of growth career experience that you feel that you need. And also be everything that you need for your kids at any given time or any unexpected time. What is the secret to that? Or do you feel like you're you're able to do it? The good thing about working on like in the hospital on a unit is we work three twelves. So if you're full time. So you still have those other days off um after your, you know, your three twelve hour shifts. Part time I work two twelves. So I still have days off. But the struggle for me is especially the days that I work. I'm a nurse. I'm here taking care of people. And then I have to go home and take care of my children. So it's like constantly, I'm always caring for somebody. And when, you know, when do I care for myself? That is a struggle that I have as a nurse. And (laughs) I love my husband too, but you know, you got to care for your husband too sometimes. (laughs) So for me, that, that was hard when I had my first was trying to figure out that balance. Did you figure it out? Yeah, I did. Once she got older and we put her in Mother's Day out, I had time to myself during the day on my days off. And that helped tremendously because mm-hmm. I could, you know, go do what I needed to do, get things done or just do something for myself, get my nails done. So I think that helped the most was when she went to Mother's Day out. Mm-hmm. There's hope. There just is hang, hope. hang in there if yes. you're in, if you're in yes. that difficult part where you don't get a break, a breather. It comes. It but does at the come. same time too, don't you feel like, can you imagine not going home to your kids? Oh, like okay. how it was no. before. I no. just remember feeling like as they aged a little bit more and more, it just got funner and funner to go home to them. Yeah. I mean, I, some, some days I'll go bring her to school and I'm like, oh, well now I miss her. I mean, it's not that I just want to like, you know, give her the boot, get out the car, you're at school, go. Right. So true. I do miss her, but I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change her for the world coming home to them. So the best, the best part of motherhood is? Oh, gosh. There's so much. There's Coming so much. home to them. Feeling yeah, needed and just yeah. their love. Like they – the way that they look at you. Yeah. And it's unconditional, yeah. And right. I also love the whole intertwining with the families. Like, I, you know, I'm very close to my mom. And so I love seeing my mom with my children too. So that um, is a huge blessing to – my sister, we're actually five years apart, but she's my best friend. And 
<laughs> she had a baby, I think they're seven months apart, seven months after me, after my first. So she has a little boy and all of our kids are pretty close in age and never in a million years would we thought, because I mean, she is five years older than me, that we would be raising kids, you know, around the same age. And it's fun. It's just when the kids get together, it's, I mean, don't get me wrong, life is all about the children now, <laughs> but <laughs> I wouldn't want it any other way. I mean, it, they made, they make it fun. And you are still breastfeeding. I am. And you're struggling. I know you're struggling with that. So I exclusively pump. Um, we have some feeding issues. I had a nine. What was she nine two when she was born? So you would think she'd want to eat, but <laughs> she has silent reflux. So we are struggling with feedings. Um, but I am exclusively pumping. There's no way she would have ever lashed with the way that she feeds with her reflux. So Tony, okay, so she has reflux and we mm -hmm. did, you know, we did, I did say I could maybe help with this because I, we struggled with reflux yeah. too with the first, we had them on Zantac, but that's since been recalled. And the second one, uh, we had a holistic specialist recommend a certain diet that was basically no gluten, no dairy, but it was a diet for me, uh, no, no, uh, even leafy greens, mm -hmm. strange, healthy mm -hmm. foods that weren't, uh, digestible for infants and it really worked. The only problem is it was so difficult for me. I was cranky all the time. It was so difficult to to stay, uh, to not be hungry all the time. Dairy well, is you, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. You don't realize how much dairy mm -hmm. is in and what you can't have. It's hard. I mean, it's a hard thing to do. The good thing about pumping is that you do tend to produce more milk that way. Do yeah. you find that? Uh, I have 13, what is it? Yeah, thirteen hundred ounces in the freezer. <laughs> Isn't that great? We I remember wow. buying an extra freezer. I we did I had to first. exclusively yep. pump. Yeah, and yeah. then you have I had three months reserve when I stopped mm -hmm. pumping. Yeah. And look, I don't mean to to brag about it, but it it did help because and it doesn't matter the size of your breast. This is called on no. private parts podcast. I was <laughs> like a not. negative A, and I <laughs> produced that much milk. A good friend of mine was a double D. She couldn't produce any yeah. milk, so it yeah. really has no, nothing to do with the size of your of your breast. Mm -hmm. uh, and and then also. The struggles for some moms, I think, is an issue who can't breastfeed that's for whatever reason. Say, yeah. And I think that's, you know, they feel they feel guilty and everyone has such a much different journey. And I and I think that it's God's plan for every child to have a different feeding system yeah. depending mm -hmm. on what is meant for you and your family. I always think Absolutely. that baby is the best. It yeah. does not matter how you get there. That's right. I say all the time, had my babies not made it so easy for me to breastfeed, I am the type of person I would not have. Oh, like, I don't know if I could be the exclusive <laughs> yeah. pump kind it's of person. It's hard. Especially it's hard. working. My breastfed babies made it easy for me. Well, and I, I did give up sooner with the one that I had to have the special diet for. <laughs> I ended up quitting much sooner than I, I'm than sure. I did. I always other. said that if I had to adjust my diet like this, I would stop. But now you have the formula shortage, so... Which ones, you know? That's scary. The, wow. And then there's sort of a black market for breast milk. That I know. Uh, do you know that? <laughs> there really is. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what is the? What would you say is the unspoken truth or unspoken truths of motherhood? Maybe something we don't feel comfortable talking about that might help if we did. Um. So I struggled with postpartum depression with my first pretty bad. My mom and my sister saw it, but you don't realize it when you're in it. You didn't realize it. No, not at all. Not until she was way older. And I want to say she was like eight months. And when I got home from work, it didn't matter what time it was. The house had to be picked up. Her toys had to be in a very specific spot. I was driving myself crazy. And then fast forward to my second. And it was in during my pregnancy that my postpartum depression showed up. I mean, to the point to where, I mean, I was, I scared myself. My husband was scared to go to work one day. I just couldn't stop crying. And 
I didn't know what was wrong with me. Like, this is what I wanted. I, you know, I went through fertility for this. And it's not that I didn't want my baby, but I was struggling and went to the doctor and he asked, how are you doing? And I lost it, lost it in the office. So I got on some medication and he said, you know, one thing that is not talked enough about is if you have postpartum with your first, a lot of the times it can show up during your pregnancy for your second. And I didn't know that. I mean, I was prepared for after pregnancy. I didn't realize that during my pregnancy, this was going to show up. And I'm glad I got the help before because I did a whole lot better this time postpartum, a whole lot better. So always ask the questions, always bring it up to your doctor. Do not be embarrassed or ashamed if you have those feelings Mm because it took away from my first with her newborn period. It definitely took away from, you know, enjoying those moments. Joy, yeah. And my second has been so much better. Good. Just imagine if you would have experienced this 30 years ago. I know. I, I... when no, you know, no one was talking about right. it, and I agree, it's it it does help to know that there are other women out there. <clears throat> yes. What about you, Kayla? Um, <coughs> for me, I slowly, I feel like I let go a little bit more of my control with each child. Um, I'm a very OCD in nature kind of individual with a routine, um, so I kind of ignored all the all the things. I wouldn't say I necessarily had postpartum depression as more I did anxiety um, about anything just about something happening to my kids and you know we always have that worry as a mom naturally but um it took me having my third baby I think when she was about six months old I became medicated just to kind of help I I began to feel like I was losing myself like um so I think that's kind of difficult for moms to talk about or even to fess up that look I'm not feeling myself I, I need that little bit of extra help even though I have all the help any mom could ask for um but yeah, so mine really was just the control aspect of it. And I definitely slowly but surely learned to let go of the things that really don't matter when it comes to raising your children. So <laughs> Yeah, you know, that second and probably third child, the poor children. You know, I, I love her with all of my heart, but the baby book is not touched, you know. <laughs> well, my, she never my first always had a bow on her head. The second one, yeah, we're lucky if we can find a bow. She got her teeth yeah. brushed. She got- <laughs> Okay, there's this meme going around on Facebook where the mom of the firstborn is cutting up the food very, very (laughs) tiny pieces. And it says for your firstborn child and and she divides them into categories and gently places the nice, clean high chair with the nice, clean baby in front of By the third child, she is pouring cereal on the floor and says, come and get it. Yeah. Basically. So pretty much. So accurate. If any of my coworkers ever listen to this episode, they will know that my firstborn never, and I kid you not, when I say never, I mean never went to Walmart, never went to a grocery store. I was very, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, Second, pretty much the same way, maybe here and there. If like me and my husband were together, one of us would run and run out, but never really stepped foot in the store. My third's like licking the grocery cart going in the store. <laughs> I got all three of them in the buggy now. I'm like, life is good. Why did I not do this before? Oh so I guess that's part of the control. I had to let go a little yes. bit of something. Yes. A sickness or whatever. And when they it may do be. start daycare, you can expect they are going to be sick. Absolutely. So, you know, Absolutely. It's not you're not home free when they when they start daycare. All right. Any uh, last words of advice for the moms listening? What's your best mom advice that you can offer before? Put we down the phone. Enjoy yeah. the moment. Soak up the time with your kids. It, 
I'm experiencing it now. I feel like with their ages, um, I'm a little emotional about my last one about to start school. So I feel like the daytime with my kids, especially the free time on the weekends, I, we just try to live it up as best we can and say our prayers. I'm <laughs> so glad you said stuff. that. I agree. Be yeah. present. Yeah. Be present. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, let go of the little stuff. Like we said with our first, you know, you got to have a boat, can't be dirty, let it go. Like just enjoy that moment, be in that moment, be present and just have fun. Once they get to that toddler that, you know, that threes are hard, don't get me wrong, but it's fun. Enjoy it because it goes fast. Yeah, I agree with both of those. And I I think also maybe have systems. If you're driving yourself nuts, we were talking about uh, before we started recording a sticker system, just a reward type of system. Uh, kids do appreciate the presence of their parents, eye contact, not looking away, mm-hmm. and and also um, predictability schedules mm-hmm. and and those rewards uh, go a long way. I yes. think with the happiness of everybody in the family. Oh yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> and go on mommy dates. <laughs> oh yes, we just had well, those. We yeah. could do a whole podcast on how hard it yeah, is right. to get babysitters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you both so much, Kayla and Tony. This has been enlightening for me and I hope for our listeners too. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Day. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Unprivate Parts. Be sure to follow Woman's Hospital on social media and follow us in your favorite podcast app. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. Thank you for listening.